There's a lot of different peculiar thoughts about the idea of being called by God. What does that mean? And how do we understand that? So I'm going to expand upon that in a moment, but I ask that you pray with me right now. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we ask that you prepare our minds and our hearts and that you help us to be committed to understanding your word. We know who you are. You are holy and you are steadfast in love and you are just. And we revere and we fear and we love you. Father, we ask that you help us this morning to understand your word, to apply the things that we hear now. May these things change us and help us to change those around us through your message. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I was looking over this. I had sermons, and I, and I looked over this. A lot of my messages recently, I've looked at some old sermons, because sometimes it's, um, it's hard to find things after 15 years that you haven't preached on. And I looked over some old notes, and this one has stood out to me for a long time. And I know that I haven't preached it in a while when I don't have a PowerPoint for it, because I, I usually had a presentation that I have prepared sometime in the last seven years since I've been using PowerPoints. Before that, I used to make little notes and put them into my Bible and preach straight out of my Bible. I still enjoy doing that occasionally. Um, that's a, a good approach as well. But as I do this, again, it helps us to see these things very clear. Um, and to, this morning, look at the subject of being called of God. This is another sermon that I got to overhaul. I got to study and look at it a little bit closer. But I find this to be true. Blessed are those who are called by God. Blessed are those who are called by God. And sometimes you hear this, I mean, as a preacher, I've heard a lot of people say, um, when were you called? What was it like? And a lot of people will ask me that as a, as a preacher, as though only preachers get called by God. And I, I think that's kind of a strange thing. When we look in the Bible, we see that we've all been called by God in a very specific way. And I think sometimes when they say, have you been called by God, they're talking about maybe a specific ministry and different individuals, if they had a feeling or they had some kind of experience or something like that. But when I look in the Bible, it's kind of like that. There's a little bit to that. But the calling we see in the Scriptures, we're going to see, I think it's going to be very, very clear how God calls every uh, person who is honestly seeking the truth. And so I bring your attention to what will be our exposition this morning. And I just went on and put it on the screen this morning because it wasn't too long. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 13 through 15. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 13 through 15. Now, if you read the verses before, verses 1 through 12, Paul is talking to them and he says, Christ is not coming back right now in that period of time as a lot of them had suspended even their work. And he says, listen, there's going to be an apostasy. There's going to be this son of perdition who's going to come. There's going to be persecution and other things. Other events are going to happen before that. But here he comes to, and, and at the end of that, if you remember verses 9 through 12, he says, but there are people who don't love the truth and they're not seeking after the truth and they're not going to follow God. So you've got to keep that in context as you're reading this. He says, but we are always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved. In Greek, literally, first fruits means the first ones. You are the peak of it, the beginning of it. And these new Christians in the first century, they are the first fruits, the first ones of, of that generation to be saved. And he says, through sanctification, which means that God's process and his providential care 
in making us holy and us submitting to him and becoming, living a holy life. Living a life that by holiness we mean like God who is unique and unlike any others. We recognize that he is upright, that he is righteous and perfect and morally good and loving in every way. And so to become like that, this process of being holy, that is sanctification. And it says, through the sanctification of the Spirit and belief in the truth, believing in the truth, it's actually a verb right there uh, to emphasize. It's not just the concept of belief, but you are believing in the truth and you're going through and submitting to becoming holy. He says, this is essential to salvation. But listen to this. He says, to this, He called you through our gospel, through the good message that's been proclaimed about Jesus. And notice that. It's the apostles. It's the it's the evangelists who have gone into the world, the missionaries who are proclaiming the truth to different people. And that God is calling you and He calls people who are seeking the thr- truth through the Gospel message. And Gospel means, in Greek, it's euangelion, which means good message. It's, it's made up of prefix you meaning good and angelion meaning um, a message. Some would say it means good news. And I think that's a very good representation of the word as well. So it's the good message that's been proclaimed. You're called through it that as others proclaim the truth, whether it came from your parents, maybe it was from a neighbor, maybe it's from a friend, somebody has talked to you about the gospel, maybe it was multiple people who have shared the truth to you, and God was calling you. He was calling those who were seeking the truth. And He calls you through that gospel message. And that teaches us a message today. We start thinking about those around us and we think, why, don't they care? why aren't they concerned about God? Why don't they think about the gospel? And, but you're a part of that. You're a part of the mouthpiece of God proclaiming the truth. Of calling them by the gospel. And so He says to them again, to this, He called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you may obtain... Uh, to the resurrection of Jesus, that you can have a part of that glorious body on that day. All the glory that comes with Christ. And he says, so then, brothers, stand firm. Because you've been called by the gospel, and you've been called and you've been saved as the first to be holy and by faith in the truth, because you were seeking it and you believed it, God called you and you believed it. He says, therefore, brothers, brethren, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us. We've given you certain instructions. And if you look at the Scriptures, those traditions would be how you live your life. Tradition means in in the biblical text, that which has been passed down. The Lord's Supper is a part of that tradition. Uh, Baptism would be a part of God-given tradition. And so the apostles say, hold to the traditions that were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. And so there's much that stands out to me in this text. And I've made a few observations already, but God chose those seeking the truth as the first to be saved, and He called them to be holy and to be, be constantly believing in the truth. That God has called those seeking the truth, and He does so through the gospel. You know, a lot of people have different ideas about calling. God calls you through the gospel. He calls you through that great, good message. God has called them to obtain the glory of Christ. What a blessing that is. God's not just calling you and saying, listen, I want you to obey me, do what I say, you're going to live a miserable life, and then you can go live another miserable existence in heaven. And I hear, I hear some people who are critical of the Bible talk like that. That seems absurd. 
the way that they talk about the Bible. They want to twist it, they want to distort Scripture just like the Bible warns us not to do so that they can set it aside. And that's dishonest. You're always being dishonest if you're reinterpreting the Bible to reject it. That's dishonest. But God has called us to that glory, and it is a wonderful thing. And the reason we submit to the gospel is because we see it. We see how beautiful the Bible is, how great the message of Jesus' resurrection is, and it stirs us and it compels us and it controls us, and it helps us to understand and to know the love of Christ and the love to know God's love. And for this reason, we're willing to submit and obey God, to keep His commandments, to keep the traditions that have been delivered to us. I see that very clearly in the text. Again, that gospel is the good message of Jesus' resurrection or death, burial, and resurrection, like we read about in 1 Corinthians 15, when Paul says, I, what I preached to you from the very beginning, he says it is this. He says it's the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It's, where we, it's what we stand on. It's what we are saved by. And God calls those seeking the truth by the gospel. And if you're seeking the truth, then people, you see that. If you look around you and you have certain neighbors or friends who are wanting to know what the truth is, you can tell that. You've seen this before. I know many of you have. And you have talked to those people and you said, listen, you're seeking the truth. So was I. I found it. Let me help you. And God has put you in that position for a reason. You have a part in the calling of His message in that person's life. And I love that. And that's a part of the Great Commission, isn't it? To, to tell the world, to make disciples, to share the gospel. And I love this description. I'm not going to read this scripture this morning, but I encourage you, if you have your Bible, um, mark this, write down a note to go read it later, or read it right now, and, and ignore the next few words I have to say, because it, it's worth it. 2 Corinthians 4, 14-15, it tells us this, for those who believe, it says about those who believe, that the love of Christ controls them and compels them. And if you keep reading there, he's like, how is it that the love of Christ controls us and compels us? And he tells them, because we realize that there was one who died for us and rose again. It's the idea I've often described as the gospel just grabbing hold of you. It won't let go. The love of Christ, you can see it in that message. It controls and compels us. And some, I think some Christians have struggled and said, you know, I have things in my life and uh, I've been pulled away by these temptations and the things that are going on. And I encourage you, you get back to the gospel and you get back to the core of God's calling, of Him demonstrating His love, and you understand it and you study it. And you study it until it grabs hold of you. Because when it does, uh, at least for me, it never let go. The love of Christ does that. Yes, we'll have temptations, we'll have trials in life, but if you feel like you're being pulled away, I encourage you to go back to the truth. As a part of our reading this morning, um, Aaron has read from us from 1 Peter, and this passage ties into it. Um, we're going to look at a few other passages on the subject of why we're called and for what purpose we're called, and as this is constantly emphasized throughout the Scriptures. But I look at this as well, and I think this ties into how the Gospel compels us and controls us. The called have a different view of life and reality. The way that we view the world, you, can, you know that when you turn on your television, people, I don't know, they're just missing it. They're like, I'm going to live for everything else, but I'm going to ignore and pretend like God's not even there. 
don't understand how you can do that. I'm going to have a spirituality that excludes Jesus. And I don't understand how people claim or think they can do that. Because this is what I read. In 1 Corinthians 1, 22 to 24, Paul's kind of addressing a lot of that. And he says, for the Jews demand signs. Give us a sign. Give us a miracle. We want to see the powers of God. And the Greeks seek wisdom. We want it to fit in with philosophy. Or today it might be with science or whatever other way of, of rhetoric. or th- And they don't think deeply enough about why the world is the way that it is and where it all came from. And they don't actually see that great miracle and work of God and things around them because they refuse to. He says, but we preach Christ crucified. We preach Christ crucified. The apostles, the preachers, the evangelists. He says, it's a stumbling block to the Jews and it's folly. It seems like foolishness to the Gentiles, to the nations. But to those who are called... Those who are called, what is the gospel? What is the message of Jesus' crucifixion? Both to the Jews and the Greeks who are called, it says that it is Christ, that He is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And isn't that true? As Christians, we look at Jesus and we see His power. We see His wonders. We see His miracles. We see and we think about the resurrection from the dead. We think about the wisdom of it and how life-changing the words and teachings, the whole message of the gospel is. Christ is everything to us in the way that we view reality and view the truth. He is the power of God and the wisdom of God. When, when, did, you see, when, did, you, when did you see this? You know, many of us Christians, we, we can think about that. There was a time when it all seemed to connect It all came together. Look how amazing Jesus is. Look at what He's done, His ability, the things that He taught, how deep and how life-changing they are. It's worth giving our life to. We read more about the calling of the Gospel. And these are verses that we read. We're called to a different way of living. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7-8. Paul says, for God has not called us to impurity, that's sexual impurity, but in holiness, to a holy way of living. He says, therefore, whoever disregards this, if you disregard holiness, that person disregards not man, but God who gives His Holy Spirit to you. God's called called us to live a holy life. Just as our main reading was this morning that Aaron read, 1 Peter chapter 1, 14-16, Peter says, as obedient children... Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as He who called you is holy. He called us, and He's holy. You also be holy. And all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. We're called for this. Called by the Gospel to live a different way, to live a holy way, to live like Christ. But the Bible goes on and says, all these wonderful things we have from the calling of God, We're called to holy living. And we're called because that's how we're called to be in communion. You hear people talk about having a relationship with God. And someone says that, I would ask, what do you mean by that? I want to know what they mean by it because a lot of them have some peculiar ideas about it. Well, I have a relationship with God, and a lot of people think of it this way. Therefore, I don't have to read my Bible or go to church or be with other Christians. I don't have to live a holy life. They often reason, and, and that's contrary to what the Bible says. The Bible says we're called to live in a communion 
And that's the real relationship in fellowship with God. And again, you read that scripture there in 1 Corinthians 1.9 and you'll see that. We're called to that. God's calling is not for the ultra-righteous. It's not for people who say, well, I've already you know, been submitting to God and I already live a holy life, therefore He's calling me. That's not what Jesus taught, is it? Jesus said He came not to call the righteous, but who? But sinners. And for what purpose? For repentance. To change their way of thinking. To change their lives. To change their minds. As a message to all the world that God is who He says He is and He sent Jesus. And He calls us by the Gospel. God called the faithful. He calls us to endure through suffering and hardship and persecution. And He wants us to do this because we're called to follow the example of Jesus. That Jesus suffered. And He went through persecution and we need to follow His example. And that means that when people curse us, we bless them in return. We read this in 1 Peter 3, 8-9. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. If someone curses you, do not curse them back. He says, but on the contrary, bless. Bless them and curse you. It's a hard thing to do. For to this you were, for this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. God called you for this. He called you to be victorious in a way that the world wouldn't think of it. The world thinks if someone hits you, you, you strike them back. If someone curses you, you curse them back. You teach them. You stand your ground. Well, you can stand your ground on the gospel with humility. And turn the other cheek. Christians are called to live worthy of the calling of the gospel. And we are called to maintain unity in the church. The unity of the Spirit. And that's another thing that stands out to me as I, was, as I read through and I look at the Scriptures, a number of references to this calling of God by the gospel. And it's sad and it's a shame when you hear about churches being split apart and people arguing and fussing with one another. It breaks my heart. It, it makes me think, have you lost your focus? Did you forget about the gospel? Did you forget about your about evangelism? That you can't sit down at the table with one another and open your Bible and say, let's look at this. Honestly, we're going to fuss over the color of the carpet or, you know, um, which preacher to, to, to get or I don't know. You know, there's a lot of things that churches for silly things. And some of it is just seems like no one's willing to, to lovingly sit down, but the Bible tells us to be humble in this, to, to walk worthy of the, hall, of the calling. And listen to what Paul says here in regards to the, ch- to the church and the unity of the Spirit. He says, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord. Of course, Paul is in prison right here. He says, I urge you. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Not only do you say you believe in it and you live a holy life, but you maintain and you work that there be unity and oneness in the church. The calling of which you have been called, he says, with all humility and gentleness. We need that in the church. Gentleness. Humility. With patience, that is endurance. Bearing with one another in love. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's what we've been called for. I remember when I was thinking about ministry, one thing that always bothered me for many years in growing up in the church was division. I mentioned before that when I was a kid, we moved from 
uh, a big church to a little church. We went from a church that had 1,500 members to a little one that had 500 members. And that was the perception in Montgomery, Alabama. But I also remembered how that happened. I remember what happened, the controversy over the preacher and the elders and the division and the controversy in that big church of 1,500. You imagine a church of 1,500 members getting worked up. They had two preachers. And one of them, they just, some of them didn't like. They made such a big deal out of it that the congregation in one week split into three different parts. There was one group of about 700 that stayed there. There was a group of around three to 400 that went off to this church, another one of 300 that went to another. And I remember it being 12, 13 years old saying, I hate this. This, this is not good. This is, why is this? And it always convicted me and I thought, what we need, I want unity. I expected unity in the church to hear about families being breaked up and divorces and to see churches essentially divorce from one another. It's a heartbreaking thing. And if we would just do what the Scriptures say here and submit to the calling of God with humility and gentleness and patience and bear one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, that we recognize where we are united we're united here the bible says that there is one body it's not divided up into many denominations or many different groups there's one body and one spirit just as you were called there's the calling again you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call you have the same belief you have the same focus there's no reason for this and he says you, you're united in this, not only in one body and one spirit and one hope, but one Lord and one faith and one baptism. I've heard people say, especially in different denominations, other, in denominations, they'll say, oh, baptism doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you believe about baptism. But I'll read right here, there's one baptism and it's essential to the maintenance and the unity of the church. And then we read here, the one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Wonderful. We look at the whole Godhead there. We see the unity of the body, the unity of faith and baptism and hope. Those are things that we need to maintain. Another passage that stands out to me about the church before we conclude this morning, I've been thinking about that calling. Is we're called to be holy people. We've been called out of darkness and into the light. And Peter says this in 1 Peter 2, 9. And Peter, if you want to read a lot about the word and see the word calling, go read through 1 Peter. But 1 Peter 2, 9 says this. Peter, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. That's the church that you may proclaim the excellencies of him. You proclaim, you teach the truth, you share the gospel who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's our purpose. You've often heard it said that the church is the called out. That comes from the Greek word for the church, which is ecclesia. And ecclesia has two words in it, ek ecclesia ek meaning out ecclesia meaning called and that's where it comes from now the word for church doesn't literally mean called out but originally the word would have meant calling people out of their homes and into a congregation into an assembly it gives you a good picture of the meaning of the word because the word for church means congregation it means assembly and that's who we are we are called out and i can read it right there we've been called out of darkness into light called to be a part of that body to maintain unity. I encourage you this morning, have you responded to the call? Have you submitted to it? Have you walked worthy of the call of God? Because God 
is calling you by the gospel. He's calling you by the love that he's demonstrated through Jesus Christ. Jesus said this. He says, for many are called, but few are chosen. Some people listen to the gospel and they have a hard heart. Some people take it in and then wither away. Some people take in the gospel as a seed and then they're choked out by the pleasures of life. And some people take it in and they produce fruit. We want to make sure that we, as this, a church of Christ, that we are the chosen and that we are producing fruit. So our final passage this morning. Bring to your mind Paul's words to Timothy. 2 Timothy 1, 8 through 10. Paul says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. We've been called to a great mission and I hope that every one of us take that to heart this morning. That we see the gospel. We see our purpose and our role. That yes, God has called every one of us. It's not certain individuals to do all the work. He's called us. Those who are seeking the truth. Those who are here who believe the gospel. And you hear it. And you, you hear about Christ's suffering and his death on the cross. And it convicts you. And you see the love of Jesus. And you have hope in the empty tomb. And that Christ rose from the dead. And I encourage you this morning that we make sure that our lives are right. And if you need prayers and encouragement, we want to pray with you. If you want to obey the gospel this morning and put to death your old life by confessing your faith in Christ and being buried with Christ in baptism and rise up to the newness of life, just like we read about in Colossians 2 and Romans 6, you can do that. We encourage you to come now. Let's sing together.